You are listening to Louise on BFF.FM. BFF.FM is a non-profit community radio station based in San Francisco. BFF.FM relies on your support to keep the lights on and your favorite tunes flowing. We are a 501c3 nonprofit arts organization. If you would like to learn more or donate, please visit bff.fm slash donate. We're building something truly special. Donate today to keep bff.fm on the air, independent, and commercial free. Thank you for listening. Thank you all for coming. My name is Ruti Director, and it is my pleasure and honor to introduce Dr. Daniel Milman. For Daniel Milman, clinical psychology and psychoanalysis are a second career, which he started at the age of 40 after having worked in banking. Both psychoanalysis and art attracted his attention at a very young age. As a matter of fact, he read his first book by Freud and bought his first work of art at the same age, 17 years old. Through his collecting and his education in psychoanalysis, Daniel Milman has had the opportunity to meet Louis Bourgeois, with whom he later had a correspondence. It is through this double perspective, art and psychoanalysis, that Daniel Milman will now propose us with a psychoanalytical tribute to Louise Bourgeois, entitled Louise Bourgeois, From Depressed Mother to Philandering Father, The Birth of a Genius. Good morning. This is Louise. Thank you. Susan Landau and the Tel Aviv Museum for making this. Louise Bourgeois wird am 25. Dezember 1911 in Paris geboren. Sie ist die zweite Tochter von insgesamt drei Kindern. Swear. 
contemporary art with her vast body of work, but she also insisted on making public what was to become the quasi-mythical story of her childhood trauma. If you don't understand this something, is how it went. don't put it completed on me. In 1922, when Louise was aged 10, her father hired a young Englishman named Sir as Diana Princess of Wales famously said, it was a couple of years and obviously Although Louise's mother had fallen ill before Sylvia, her health started deteriorating in 1922. Every time I hear that story, I cannot avoid making the association between your mistress's name, Sadie, and sadism because of the cruelty of this situation and the very real possibility of a causal link between the father's affair and the mother's disease. At the beginning of the mother's long illness, Louise accompanied her to various therapeutic spots, towns in the south of France. During the last years of her mother's life, she became very involved and fulfilled the, the functions of a quasi nurse, while somehow managing to also attempt drawing and One easily imagines the traumatic nature of the situation. Louise caring for her mother at one end of the house, while at the other end, the father is in the company of Satan. However, psychoanalysts are well aware of the fact that 
such stories frequently are screen memories fooling both their author, the patient, and their audience, the therapist. by art and artists. 
Ihnen in Ihrem Werk in so viel von sich selber preis wie Louise Bourgeois. Aber eben nur als Person hat sie sich mit Schmutz verweigert. Selbst zu ihren großen Eröffnungen ist sie nie erschienen. But shortly before leaving Vienna, on June Selbsterkenntnis ist die eigentliche Belohnung. Eine Ausstellung ist bloß eine Ausstellung.
You are listening to Louise on BFF.FM.
Louise Bourgeois, eine Französin mit amerikanischem Pass. Schon als Kind fällt sie durch ihr Zeichentalent auf, ihre Fantasie für geometrische und architektonische Formen. An hat Louise Bourgeois auch als Dozentin gearbeitet. Zur Bildhauerei wechselt sie mit etwa 30, arbeitet ziemlich traditionell, kommt später an Abstraktion nicht vorbei. Doch Titel wie Schmalfrau,
second trauma occurred when she was six or seven years old. Her father, having made a speech at the chamber, hostile demonstrators tried to break into the house of her parents. Windows had to be hastily shut and stones were thrown. Her father was absent and the entire family was terrified. Lohenfeld then lists his patient's symptoms, which are numerous and multifaceted. Since childhood, but more frequently during the last years, she had dreams from which she woke up terrified or engulfed by a feeling of horror. These dreams were essentially dreams of war images, revolutions, bombings, riots, from which she was attempting to escape in spite of the fear which paralyzed her. Her life was marked by alternative periods during which she was looking for exciting
Die Motivation für mein Werk ist Revolte gegen sie. Wirklich, es ist nichts als Wut, die mich zur Arbeit treibt.
Both women suffered from a creative block and of symptoms apparently due to a traumatic childhood. They both were afflicted by a depressed and fragile mother, an unstable sexually provocative father, and frightening violent events threatening the very existence of the family. The terrible psychological effects of very similar childhoods led both women to attempt at healing themselves through art. One of them disappeared in Nazi Vienna, the other fled France and immigrated to America where she went on to become a towering figure of contemporary art. You are listening to Louise. You are listening to Mentors 
zum Ausdruck, dass diese Kugel in sich geschlossene und fertige Organismen sind. Totalement fermé et So sehr, dass sie zerbrechen, wenn jemand sie berührt oder unvorsichtig mit ihnen umgeht. Der Mentor hat es mit starren Strukturen zu tun, die unantastbar sind. Sie wollen damit sagen, dass jedes Individuum zugleich gefestigt und unnachgiebig ist, aber auch zerbrechen. Sehr zerbrechen. Genau das wird hier dargestellt. Die Zerbrechlichkeit ist so ausgeprägt, dass sich diese Kugeln in einem instabilen Gleichgewicht befinden. Wenn jemand ihr Beständer berührt, fahren sie herunter. Sie machen einen also zum Verlierer. Sie sorgen dafür, dass du scheiterst. In jedem ihrer Werke schwingt dieser Aspekt der potenziellen Gefahr.
vollkommen nackt. Aber sie macht es nicht. Sie weiß nicht um ihre Nacktheit. So etwas ist durchaus möglich. Sie ist in ein Land gezogen, wo sie das Bedürfnis hat, sich etwas Neues aufzubauen, etwas zu sammeln und ein leeres Haus an sich zu binden. Diese kleine Hand, die hier herausragt, bedeutet, kommt mir zu Hilfe. Mir tut etwas weh. Ich leide unter dieser Situation. Diese Hand sagt im Grunde genommen, bitte vergesst mich nicht, kommt mich holen, es geht mir schlecht. Ich habe solches ein. Hier sind es drei davon. Bei diesem war es nur eine, aber hier sind es drei. Dies hier ist natürlich ein tragisches Haus, weshalb? Es ist nicht beleuchtet, du weißt gar nicht, was passiert. Die Tür ist ganz schwarz und sehen Sie sich die Beine dieser Frau an. Diese Frau ist sich ihrer selbst nicht bewusst. Ihre Pose ist ganz offenkundig erotisch, aber sie weiß es nicht. Es geht ihr schlecht, also ruft sie, kommt, holt mich heraus aus dieser Erotik. Das ist doch denkbar. Jedenfalls ist das meine Interpretation. Das hier passt zum Thema Zwietracht. Es handelt sich um ein Haus aus dem Süden, ein sogenanntes Courthouse. Ein Courthouse ist ein Haus, in dem die Leute miteinander streiten. Die Situation ist also sehr tragisch. Und hier sind Flügel die ausdrücken sollen, versucht uns zu Hilfe zu kommen, versucht für Frieden zu sorgen im Courthaus. Es ist natürlich ein sehr ehrgeiziges Unterfangen, in einem solchen Courthaus Frieden zu stiften. Aus diesem Bild spricht alles andere als Ehrgeiz. Das hier ist jemand, der vollkommen resigniert ist. Diese Frau ist at peace. Sie hat Frieden beschlossen. Das ist eine Frau. Ich bin ja schließlich selbst eine, deshalb erzähle ich auch von Frauen. Ich behandle keine Themen, von denen ich nichts verstehe. Wir haben hier also ein schönes Haus. Obwohl diese Häuser hier alle schön sind, dass sie selbst trägt. Sie ist untrennbar mit ihrem Haus verbunden und dennoch resigniert. All diese anderen Frauengestalten hier kämpfen um irgendetwas. Aber hier hat eine Art Breakdown, ein Zusammenbruch stattgefunden. Die Frau hat resigniert. Es gab eine Zeit in den 70er Jahren, da war ich ziemlich entmutigt, aber danach habe ich die Ärmel wieder hochgekrempelt und angefangen zu Hausfrauen für mich im Grunde leerstehende Häuser waren. 
Diese Erkenntnis war eine echte Überraschung für mich, ein Aha-Effekt. Und es war das Ende einer persönlichen Obsession.
In other words, she loved him and hated him. She was ambivalent. Ambivalence is a characteristic of the human condition. At every stage of life, we love and hate our parents, our siblings, our children, our jobs, etc. The coexistence of love and hate for every object is in fact the pulsating heart of the human psyche. The specificity of Louise Bourgeois' personality was the depth of her ambivalence. For example, she could create a piece titled The Destruction of the Father, which emerged from a fantasy where the children would suddenly rush on the father presiding at the dinner table and devour him. She could just as well, unashamedly, demonstrate, at least this is my interpretation, her tender love for her father in the iconic photograph by Robert Mapplethorpe, which shows her tenderly and proudly holding the phallic latex sculpture entitled Fies, which is in the show. This striking image demonstrates Louise Bourgeois' reconciliation with the male sex and hence with her father. This, in spite of him having often made her suffer by reminding her she was a girl and not the boy he had so wished for. Another proof of the saying that he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. Das war's. Wenn ich nicht gelegentlich das letzte Wort behalte, knallt. Es macht mir Spaß, schafft Genugtuung. Später tut es mir leid, 
Aber im Moment tut es gut. Wehe, wenn sich etwas nicht zerstören lässt. Es geht nicht kaputt. Nie behältst du das letzte Wort. Okay, das war's. When Louise gets very anxious or nervous or fearful, she can be quite tough in a way. And I think, and she has a tendency also to be very self-destructive. So. When Louise sehr ängstlich, nervös oder besorgt ist, kann sie recht unangenehm werden und neigt sogar zur Selbstzerstörung. Mein Job ist, sie davor zu schützen. Es kommt aber auch vor, dass sie Skulpturen zerstört. Und vor allem ihr Verhältnis zu anderen Leuten. Ich bin sowas wie ein Puffer dazwischen. Ich organisiere ihre Termine, wen, was sie sieht. Ich verhandle mit Sammlern, mit Galeristen. üblichen Bildhauerwerkzeugen auch einige schwere Geräte wie Schleifmaschinen, Stein- und Holzsägen. Charakteristisch für das Werk von Louise Bourgeois sind amputierte Figuren, abgeschnittene, aufgeschnittene, beschnittene Glieder. Und mit den Sägen geht die Künstlerin so professionell um wie mit Meißel, Bohrer oder Beil. Das ist eine Möglichkeit, hier eine andere. Die Säge ist angenehm fein. Die hier hat Scheiben. Da darf man nichts falsch machen. Ich arbeite lieber mit der feineren Blattsäge. Welchen Stellenwert hat denn das Schneiden an sich? Schneiden heißt, die totale Kontrolle behalten, was auch passiert. Es ist ziemlich aggressiv. Manchmal wache ich morgens auf und mir ist nicht nach Schneiden zumute, nicht nach Arbeit an der Maschine. Dann zeichne ich.
angeklagt und das ist weder Angriff noch Schutz. Es ist Erfindung. Hier sind zwei Flächen. Sie haben Höhe und Breite. weitere Ebene dazu. Die macht die Sache besser, reicher und ist so schrecklich einfach, dass es ein Kind tun kann. Which would make it richer and which is so terribly simple that a child could do it. I'm not going to destroy this piece to show you what I mean. Ich werde das Stück nicht kaputt machen, um den Trick zu zeigen. Ist das? Man muss es bloß aufklappen und hat plötzlich eine Kugel, wo vorher nur Kreise waren. The crucial fact on which we are going to focus now is therefore not the presence of ambivalence, but its depth. It's the crucial fact on which we are going to focus now is he who lives by the sword dies by the sword.
terrible psychological effects of these two very similar childhoods led both women to attempt at healing themselves through art. One of them disappeared in Nazi Vienna, the other fled France and immigrated to America, where she went on to become a towering figure of contemporary art. At this point, we are going to leave 1930 Vienna and fast forward to the present. Our objective now, equipped with Lovenfeld's insights, as well as with the most recent findings of psychoanalysis, will be to try to pin down what led to the birth of the contemporary genius, Louise Bourgeois. As we have shown earlier, Louise Bourgeois' mythical story is a screen memory which does not resist analysis. We, demonst we demonstrated so much when we pointed to the contradiction between the role of the father as a monster in the myth and the deep depression Bourgeois fell into when he died. In other words, she loved him and hated him. She was ambivalent. Ambivalence is a characteristic of the human condition. At every stage of life, we love and hate our parents, our siblings, our children, our jobs, etc. The coexistence of love and hate for every object is in fact the pulsating heart of the human psyche. The specificity of Louise Bourgeois' personality was the depth of her ambivalence. For example, she could create a piece titled The Destruction of the Father, which emerged from a fantasy where the children would suddenly rush on the father presiding at the dinner table and devour him. She could just as well, unashamedly, demonstrate, at least this is my interpretation, her tender love for her father in the iconic photograph by Robert Mapplethorpe, which shows her tenderly and proudly holding the phallic latex sculpture entitled Fiat, which is in the show at the museum. This striking image demonstrates Louise Bourgeois' reconciliation with the male sex and hence with her father.
You are listening to Louise on BFF.FM. The crucial fact on which we are going to focus now is therefore not the presence of ambivalence, but its depth, its intensity. The question then becomes, what could have triggered in the little Louise this wide oscillation between contradictory effects, 
or as the novelist Philip Roth puts it, this multidinous intensity of polarities, polarities piled shamelessly not a company of players, but the single existence, this theater of one. Durch diese Hände kommt die Erkenntnis des Dozenten oder Mentors zum Ausdruck, dass diese Kugeln in sich geschlossene und fertige Organismen sind. So sehr, dass sie zerbrechen, wenn jemand sie berührt oder unvorsichtig mit ihnen umgeht. Der Mentor hat es mit starren Strukturen zu tun, die unantastbar sind. Sie wollen damit sagen, dass jedes Individuum zugleich gefestigt und unnachgiebig ist, aber auch zerbrechlich. Sehr zerbrechlich. Genau das wird hier dargestellt. Die Zerbrechlichkeit ist so ausgeprägt, dass sich diese Kugeln in einem instabilen Gleichgewicht befinden. Wenn jemand ihre Ständer berührt, fallen sie herunter. Sie machen einen also zum Verlierer. Sie sorgen dafür, dass du scheiterst. In jedem ihrer Werke schwingt dieser Aspekt der potenziellen Gefahr mit. Immer. So als wäre da etwas in der Schwebe, eine Bedrohung. Eine Bedrohung, mit der du umgehen kannst, an der sich aber nichts ändern muss. Die Situation steht unumstößlich fest. Observation of the clinical situation describes the case of patients who behave in a depressed mode in therapy but manage to have an apparently satisfying life as soon as they leave the analytical setting. In other words, the patient is depressed during the session and not depressed before or after. Put differently, is depressed only in the presence of the analyst. As we know, Freud created the analytical setting with couch and the need for analyst in order to ohne zu wissen, weshalb, fing ich an, Personen aus meiner Vergangenheit wieder zu erschaffen. Ich stand auf dem Dach des Hauses, wo sonst niemand hinkam, weil es gefährlich war, es fielen immer wieder Ziegel herunter. Und dort erschuf ich alle Personen neu, die ich in Frankreich zurückgelassen You are listening to Louise on BFF.FM.
fingers in your chart, the depression which the analytical psychologists make real This hypothesis is brilliant because it explains why the patient is only depressed in the presence of It is as if the patient goes into analysis to repeat the depression he experienced in the presence of his mind. The minute the patient walks out, he is apparently fine again. Apparently. Because in fact, the patient is holding within himself a depression which has already occurred, but which is secret. And it is secret because the mother refused to accept the frightening idea that she is mourning in the presence of her newborn children, not to mention that she has to bear the effect of the unavoidable reproaches probably voiced by her husband and her family. How can you be sad when you have such a beautiful life? Surviving child's immediate reflex, according to Green, will be self-accusation. He will want to believe that the mother's emotional absence is his fault. He will want or need to believe that it is his resentment or shortcomings that have caused the mother's sadness. The child will psychologically swing between hatred of the emotionally absent mother and self-reproaching, in other words, you will be deeply ambivalent. We began by asking ourselves what the origin of Louis Bourgeois' deep ambivalence was. Now we know that the death of a sibling can lead to André Green further describes the various consequences of the dead mother complex, and among those we find, quote, artistic creation, which becomes the foundation for a fantasy of self-sufficiency. This is understandable, because the child's relation to the mother is so ambivalent and therefore so painful that an obvious solution for him is to retreat to a position where no one is needed. The artist is in such a situation because he doesn't need anything other than his creation process. I recall once I asked Louise Bourgeois, when are you planning to go on vacation? She replied, vacation? I don't know what that is. She didn't need vacation since she was almost self-sufficient. I say almost because in fact she needed Jerry Gorovoy, her close friend and assistant for 30 years, and to whom we owe the show. This, therefore, is Andre Green's understanding of the consequences of the death of a newborn on his sibling the key such consequence is he thinks to potentially lead to the birth of an artist. At this point, I have tried to add an element to Andre Green's hypothesis and I have given it a name, the Peter Pan Complex. The Peter Pan Complex, you're probably familiar with, is inspired by the story of the fictional little boy who never 
for ages and lives in Neverland. It is clinically characterized by a personality type which is defensively childish, narcissistic, and systematically procrastinating. My definition of the Peter Pan complex is quite different and is based on the tragic events which happened during his childhood to Sir James Matthew Barry, who is the creator of Peter Pan. When James was age six, his elder brother David died in a sk in skating accident two days before his 14th birthday. Earlier, tragedy had already struck the family. Two of James's siblings died before he was born. James was so saddened by his brother's death and the devastating effect it had on his mother, for whom David was the favorite child, that he started wearing his dead brother's clothes to try to comfort his mourning mother. There it is. You see the the little kleine figure is all hanging. So this little figure is supposed to hang. So you might ask, how does this new concept of the Peter Pan complex differ from the dead mother complex described by Andre Green? As started wearing his dead brother's clothes, stating effect it had on his mother. So you might ask, how just that for the surviving child, in addition to the secret depression, unconscious murderous jealousy has entered the psychosy. As you certainly recall, the first sibling here in the Bible as you certainly recall, the first sibling appeared in the Bible, Arcane jealousy and the desire to eliminate This murderous jealousy repeats itself throughout the generations of the patriarchs. Abraham and Lot, although Lot is more an uncle, Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Israel, and on to Joseph and his murderous brother. Freud described this drive at the heart of sibling dynamics, and to illustrate it, he tells the story of a little boy who, as he is looking at his newly born brother, asks, where did he come from? The critical answer he is given by his mother is that a bird brought him. The boy immediately answers, well, let the bird take it away then. When through a, a catastrophic and tragic event, a sibling dies, be it by accident, by disease, or even miscarriage, the surviving child has the frightening impression that his secret thoughts have been realized. To go back to Freud's example, 
Everything happens as if immediately after his exclamation, the little boy sees a real bird flying in the room, capturing the born, the born child and disappearing in the distance. The death of a newborn is a catastrophic psychic event because it is also the traumatic realization of the unconscious wish of the surviving child. From then on, the surviving child will have the impression that the dead brother or sister will never cease to exist, permanently accusing him of being responsible for his death. And what is a dead child if not a child that will never age? A, ch a child which will remain forever young in a fictitious land. In other words, a dead child is a Peter Pan in It is very likely that James Matthew Barry created Peter Pan through an artistic process consisting in the sublimation into a perfect little hero of his worst nightmare, the ghost of his dead brother David, permanently there to remind him of the murderous jealousy he felt towards his, his mother's favorite child. My proposition is that on top of the dead mother complex, described by André Grimm, the surviving child experiences a form of psychic perforation of the frontier between conscious and unconscious. And this perforation, this mental wound, is the result of the catastrophic realization of an unconscious that this wound, added to the deep ambivalence resulting from the dead mother complex, is central in the construction of the artist's psyche. Let us now return to Ruth Bourgeois, who we now know suffered both from the consequence of the dead mother complex of those resulting from the Peter Pan The mystical story she offered to the public did not mention the death of her elder sister. This should not surprise us. André Green warned us of the secretive nature of such terrible events. Instead, the mythical story revolved around the figure of the philandering father and his affair with Sadie, the English teacher. Now, last part of this lecture, I will attempt to show that the father's philandering is, in fact, from a psychoanalytic point of view, a repetition of the first trauma that death exists. In order to do this, I will now refer to what I propose to designate as the Hamlet syndrome. When he first described the Oedipus complex, Freud illustrated his theory by referring to the tragedy of Hamlet, Prince of Denmark, by Shakespeare. Freud's idea was that the success of the play resides in the fascination the audience has for Hamlet's central character. Freud analyzes this fascination, proposing that it results from Hamlet's passionate love for his mother, the Queen, and his murderous rage for his uncle, who has taken the place of the dead king. Freud's theory 
is that all boys unconsciously experience these combined passions, love of the mother, and murderous fantasies towards the father. It is the fact that the parents both act in limiting these two passions, which results in the structuring of the child through his acceptance of the two fundamental human differences, difference of generation and difference of the sex. This is what constitutes the famous Oedipian trial. My proposition is that for Hamlet, the fantasy has become reality. His father, King, is dead, assassinated by Claudius. And his mother, the Queen, not knowing that Claudius is the murderer, is planning to marry him. By the way, note that in this instance also, Die Depression ist ein Kapitel, über das wir lieber nicht sprechen sollen. Kreativität umsetzen und schöpferisch nutzen. Ich benutze Wut, die rohe Emotion. Sie ist mein Weg der Selbstverteidigung. Manche Leute schüchtern das ein und dann auch wieder nicht. Sie können mich damit überrumpeln. Kleinkriegen, indem er mich wütend macht. Schon erreicht er, was er will. Bei einer Performance in Philadelphia hat sie mich mal in ein langes Tuch gewickelt und mitten auf dem Laufsteg in Unterwäsche bloßgestellt. Das war wohl ihre Rache an mir. Als Erwachsene lebte sie in einer Welt von Kunsthistorikern, Kritikern, Kuratoren. Und so holte sie sich bekannte Kritiker und Wissenschaftler zu dieser üblen Maskerade. Sie spielten bereit für nicht das Opfer, hatten aber wohl keine Ahnung, wie viel ihnen zugemutet wurde. Das war ihre Art von Humor, die männlichen, sie erdrückenden Autoritäten abzuschießen. Ich habe versucht zu die männlichen, sie erdrückenden Autoritäten. Femme, and I 
Was mich aufbringt, ist deren Selbstgefälligkeit und Eigensutz. L'homme à femme, das kann ich nicht übersetzen. Es heißt der Weiberheld, der Don Juan. Aber am Ende seines Lebens, ich kenne die Literatur nicht so gut, bleibt er unbefriedigt. Schmurrte er nicht in der Hölle? Warum sollte ich widersprechen? Just want you to know 
is programmed by Touch Touch Publishing. Broadcasting on BFF.FM in San Francisco. Thank you for listening.